The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Daily NFL Podcast. Katie Mox here with Tyler Sullivan and Will Brinson. And today we will recap some of the major sound bites from the league meetings. I have dubbed this as the league turns. So a little soap opera uh, action for us today. So guys, make sure you keep it locked with us all week long uh, for more off-season news. And while you're at it, show some love by liking, commenting, and subscribing on the YouTube page. Audio listeners, do the same. Download, follow, leave a nice review, and tell your friends to listen and watch the pod. So, Brinson, today you dropped your mock draft. It is mock season, and you have called yourself the godfather of the veteran QB <laughs> trade mock draft. Yeah, it was How true. How do you feel about it? I mean, really, I mean, like, is the godfather, I mean, like, when you say the godfather or something, also, Sully, what's up, buddy? How you doing? What's going on? <laughs> um, I, always, I always, like, feel bad, like, if you if you ask me a question yourself? first, no 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 God no, I love talking about myself. <laughs> uh, I feel bad if you like ask me a question and then like I go on like since I'm loquacious, I could go on this like three minute yeah. tangent and all of a sudden Sully's just sitting there having not said anything on the podcast at all, even like a hey how are you doing for three so minutes. So it's smart. Oh. You bring me in to say hi and then bang. Yeah, and then shut up. Yeah, then. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you no longer feel bad. <laughs> so I, I mentioned this like in two thousand and. Ah, uh, was it? Jeez, 2016. I did the first one and uh, traded Philip Rivers to the Titans. Of and course. then in 2017, I think I traded Kirk Cousins to the 49ers. What do you think about that? There's Kyle um, Shanahan's first season, and so it made a lot of made a lot of made a lot of sense. It made a lot of um, sense. I thought it made a lot of sense. Yeah, he was he was and, a big uh, Kirk Cousins fan. It was between him and Jimmy Garoppolo. I feel like I think I traded Jimmy G one year, and um. Basically, I traded veteran quarterback in my first mock draft every year, and this one was a freaking layup because Lamar Jackson said he requested a trade yesterday on Monday, and so I just traded Lamar Jackson to the Colts. And I think what's interesting about this is, Sully, one, you could do the the normal process of this trade, right, where you sign him to an offer sheet, he agrees, you give two first-round picks to the Baltimore Ravens. Now, if I'm the Colts, one of them is, I think, like, the issue is like I'm giving up number four. So I kind of feel like, you know, that's sort of like two first round picks. And so I think that there's a pathway too where they could do something. Yes, I eat too many loquats. Um, <laughs> when I when I'm inebriated, I become loquacious at times. Um <laughs> I think that I think that part of the problem is you could do a sign and trade instead. Now, Lamar doesn't have an agent, so this is really complicated, but basically, like the Ravens would, or you could do a tag and trade. The Ravens, he would sign his tag with the Ravens the Colts would have an agreement in principle with Lamar that they would sign this contract when he becomes a Colt. And again, you got to trust the Colts on that, but you know, they're trading for you and you haven't been ever a bear on leverage wise. Um, and then you give the Ravens in exchange for Lamar Jackson versus the offer sheet. You give them a first round pick number four overall. And then you say, we're going to give you a 2024 second round pick, which if we make the playoffs, 
or a third round pick. We'd make the playoffs. We'll come to second. If we, if we, if Lamar plays, you know, 17 games or 15 games and we make the playoffs becomes a first or some, some kind of conditions attached to it, because it does feel like if I'm giving up number four overall, that is quite a bit of draft capital to expense. Um, when you, the Colts may just want to get your own quarterback there. It's the same question we have with Atlanta too, with number eight. I mean, when you're talking about these num, you know, top ten picks with these quarterbacks, that is, I mean, you're talking about a potential future Hall of Famer that you're giving up. I mean, this is where these guys get taken off the board. So yeah, no, there is a little bit of a risk here. This is why I think we've talked about even with like Aaron Rodgers that we talk about. I, I know that he's not going to go for like a first round pick like Lamar Jackson or anything along those lines, but you almost want to get like through this draft. Like if you're the Colts in your ideal world. You take like Will Anderson at number four, and then you start talking to the Baltimore Ravens and say, "Okay, listen, let's talk about these these twenty four and twenty five draft picks to try to get Lamar." Because then yeah. you're talking about picks in the twenties and in the teens, possibly, and, and you know you hope that it's thirty two overall at that point. Giving up a top five pick along with something else is just a, is a lot to give up. And Indy might be the team crazy enough to do it because they've been so starving for a quarterback to give them stability. But number four overall is is pretty steep. Yeah. Inspiration is a stinky cologne. Man, I watched Super Troopers yesterday, actually. <laughs> On Sunday afternoon, I think I watched Super Troopers. It's so good. Um, so good. Littering and. Littering and. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, uh, well, I was going to say, like, you know, we're going to we can segue straight to the sound bites from the, the owners' meetings. I mean, um, I don't know that this was actually on there. Well, actually, it was. So I'll I'll just shut up and let you host. Sorry, I was gonna I was gonna mention Jim Ursay talking to reporters because he told Stephen Holder like Lamar's not off the table, but he did that Ursay thing where he's like, kind of saying they would do it. It's like Jerry Jones, like you can't tell whether or not he's actually in, and then he says something where you're like you're completely out, but you're kind of in. It, it's 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 basically what happens. Um, you know, it, it'd be like if you were having a conversation with somebody, you go on a date with a geriatric man at two p.m. on a Tuesday. You know, the, the conversation you're having, like, like they talking to you. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get right into it at that point. And by the way, you can read Will Brinson's mock draft on CBSSports.com. Also, Ryan uh, Wilson, you know, I get your names mixed up all the time, has his second newsletter for With the First Picked, all available, CBSSports.com. But before we get into that, Brinson slash Brian. Uh, there's something else going on this weekend. It is the final four Saturday on CBS. The NCAA men's basketball championship road to the final four reaches its final destination in Houston. Coverage of the semifinal games began at 3 p.m. Eastern with the at the final four and the final four show all leading up to tip off at six when Florida Atlantic faces San Diego State, followed by Miami clashing with UConn and CAA men's final four national semifinals Saturday on CBS. So before we get to Ursay, let's talk. Oh, we got Sully on the show. So we got to talk about the New England updates um, in this as the league turns. So Robert Kraft thinks a former Patriot and current assistant coach Gerard Mayo would be a shoe in to replace Bill Belichick whenever that time comes. Sully, is the short sleeve hoodie, is his time ending in New England? And can he survive another non-playoff season? Yeah, I think he can, and I, it, there's a couple of different reasons why. I think that Robert Kraft really wants Bill Belichick to break Don Shula's record with the New England Patriots as the New England Patriots head coach. He's 19 victories away from doing that. You know, you'd say, okay, a 10 and seven. Is, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's probably you hope it's two years. It might be three. <laughs> exactly, exactly right. Well, so. You know that's gonna be that's gonna be tough for him to do, especially in a division that we're talking about could be getting Aaron Rodgers for at least one, you know, multiple yeah. years now. Miami's on the upward swing. Buffalo's still a legitimate Super Bowl contender. It's gonna be tough in the in the schedule next year is going to be very difficult from just looking at the opponents. So I think that Kraft is almost stubborn in a sense, and that might be a little bit too harsh of a word. But to keep him in Foxborough to break this record, you got to remember, he kind of picked him over Tom Brady in this yeah. divorce. He decided to say, hey, listen, I'm going to keep the head coach that I've hired. I've acquired from New York Jets. He's going to be my guy. We're going to let Tom Brady walk. If all of a sudden you let Tom Brady leave and, and win all these and win a Super Bowl and, and create all those records in a Buccaneers uniform, and then you're going to let Belichick go to some other organization and get the wins record over there. It's just going to feel like a really bitter ending to what this run is in New England. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think that it's look when he made the decision to go with Belichick over Brady. Like, you know, we can we can point out that Tom Brady won a Super Bowl in in Tampa Bay, and Belichick has not been great, forty two and forty four without Tom Brady. I think it is like I, I I don't know why I stand for Belichick on this all the time. Like I get it. Look, the three years <laughs> since Brady left haven't been great, but I mean the guy the guy the guy won a lot of football games, and he he's the one who found Tom Brady, and they they came. It was it's a, it was a collaboration. It wasn't Brady helping Belichick or Belichick helping Brady. It was, I mean, it was it was him helping each other. It wasn't like one dragging the other along. I mean, I also think you can point out that like you know as, as great as Tom Brady was with Tampa Bay, I mean that Super Bowl was a bit fluky in a COVID year. You know, there's no crowds. He got to play at home. Um, and, you know, like they were good. They went 13, won 13 games the next year, but then eight and nine in his final season. The uh, Captain Spock points out, passing the crappiest division mm-hmm. in like, forever. Yeah, you know why the division stunk? Because these idiot teams were chasing Belichick the entire time. Like, they, they just went around their A to get to their ankle, around their ankle to get to their A, excuse me, trying to figure out how to build these teams. But, like, with Belichick, I mean, you – He's the greatest football coach in the history of football. The greatest yeah. coach in the history of any type of football. Like professional, amateur, Canadian, whatever you want. Then take that, Mark Tressman. Sorry, no offense. Um, and if you're Robert Kraft, you're the one who brought him in and helped and he built this dynasty. He's also got Mac Jones, who let's 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 pump the brakes on like burying Mac Jones after a year with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. <laughs> and so he's got the young quarterback in place. Belichick's still got great energy coaching. And you've got Gerard Mayo, who turned down opportunities to interview elsewhere as a successor in line. So I'm with you, Sully. Like, let Belichick – you have to let Belichick coach out until he's done. And, and this is one thing that I do want to point out to you. I kind of alluded to it earlier. It, you know, Belichick, his, his calling card is to be heartless, emotionless when it comes to players and moving on from them when he feels like they're, you know, maybe just about to slip or, or slipping. I mean, he let he wanted Tom Brady to go. So that's that just goes to show you. I think Kraft is also letting a little bit of his emotions, though it's the, almost the antithesis of Bill Belichick, play in here. This is a guy that went out of his way to acquire Bill Belichick to trade for this guy, and it worked out. Turned out to be that Robert Kraft traded for the greatest head coach of all time, sparked this dynasty over the last 25 years, and I don't think that you want to let that go away. I don't think that if you're Robert Kraft to say, all right, now we we let him out the door. I think we try to let this thing kind of come to its glorified conclusion of him beating John Shula for the record and then fading off into the sunset. The other thing too is, is like, if you want to maximize your legacy as Patriots owner and you want the best way to maximize your legacy as Patriots owner is, is to burgeon Bill Belichick's legacy. And the best way to do that is to give Bill Belichick the time to build out a situation where there is a succession plan that when he leaves, Mayo takes over. Is it Mac or is it somebody else that you draft in the next couple of years? Like you want Belichick. Belichick is going to be like a senior advisor with the Pats anyway, right? Like he's not just. I mean, well, maybe he just goes and fishes and like and goes to Celtics <laughs> games or something. But I mean, the point being is like th- this is a dude that you know you want involved in your in your franchise. Belichick still has the juice. Like he hasn't lost to you know he, you know, he doesn't have Tom Brady anymore. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. But this is a guy who can still max out. Or help help max out what you were going to get from your organization, and I think you want him involved in the succession plan because, uh, uh, like, you know, it's weird how sometimes this works. Like Coach K at Duke, right? You get the sense that like Coach K is fine if John Shire stinks. That way, everyone's reminded like it's like, you know, Coach K is the reason this team won. I feel like Belichick wants, like, if Mayo takes over, he will want Mayo to, like, to, to be smooth sailing and the Patriots to continue to be this. You know, organization that is that runs at a very high level. It's been a common theme. He, you know, I don't think he wants to leave it the way Bill Parcells has left certain exactly. situations. I, I think he's seen that firsthand as to as to that's not how I want my legacy to be. I want this to kind of be able this ship to be able to and run. Tuna did it like seven times too, like all right. over the NFL. Like he hit like every like Cowboys, Dolphins, yeah. like Jets, Patriots. Yeah, I mean. But I will say this to spin it forward to Gerard Mayo. It's it's going to be interesting though because like we're talking about, I don't think that. Robert Kraft wants Bill Belichick to break the Shula record anywhere else other than Foxborough. And if you're talking about the next three seasons, you know, you know, Mayo's it's, it's Josh McDaniels all over again. He's going to have some opportunities. And if you're Gerard Mayo, you have a head coaching opportunity come up. You have to seriously consider that. 
Yeah. So I, I know that there's a consensus here that it's got to be up to Bill Belichick. He's going to get that record, move on on his own terms, stay within the organization. But do you think this this is Kraft's way of validating the need for more black head coaches in the NFL? And do you think that Mayo would actually be better for the Pats right now than Bill Belichick, even though we've already decided that it's got to be up to Bill Belichick? Would Mayo be the better coach? No. No. <laughs> no. So I, just, I, I like I, again. I stand pretty hard for Belichick, and like I mean, Sully and I have had these conversations yeah. on this pod like a lot, like this past year, where Sully's like, you can hear it in, you know, your. And I don't. I don't. I'm not accusing you of being a non-objective, uh, you know, journalist, Sully. I think you're. I think you're doing <laughs> your job. I'm serious. Like, I mean, but like, like you can like you can hear it. Sully's like, the the, the inner Pats fan. It's yeah. still very obviously like you know. Yeah, I don't know that I can be non-objective, so I yeah, guess. yeah, you got to yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, I'm, look, I'm, I'm gonna stay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it's a <laughs> silly idea. It's like I'm just gonna stop being a fan for this team I cared about for 30 years, um, right. and the reason why I'm passionate about football. Um, but you can see it in Sully. It's like the the you are you are the symbol. You're the outward voice of the 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 average Pat the, the Pats fan, right? The average the average man, the blue collar man in Boston, and you can tell that Sully, even Sully. With all those all those championship banners behind him, is like kind of like, "All right, Bill, let's go." Either either uh, either start winning again or get lost. Like you I, can, I don't you know if it's necessarily. I don't know if it's necessarily Bill Belichick, the coach that I I get upset with or or get perturbed with. If the that's GM? the right word, it's the GM where you're starting to make mm. a lot of these moves that are just. It, it feels like you don't necessarily know where the organization is right now. Like obviously, the John U. Smith one was a huge one that's kind of come to fruition this offseason. You get rid of him. Like it, these decisions don't necessarily feel like the goal is to win a Super Bowl. It might be to go ten and seven to help you win the record, which, which is kind is, of concerning. That, that's that's interesting, and I think it too. It's like with Belichick. We said, I think we said this the other day, but you know, for years, Belichick could do X, and it's like that seems like in a vacuum, an absolutely more absolute moron move. However, because Belichick did it, we're going to give him like even last year, you draft or uh, or you know, we'll go back to twenty twenty if you want, trade back to the second round, and you have your dog named Nike draft a. A hybrid safety linebacker type out of Lenore Ryan University, which like I knew about it when when he was drafted. Most people didn't because it's like in North Carolina. You, know, you get Kyle Duggar. Third time he's really good. Or you go get Cole Strange in the first round, and the Rams are making fun of you. If it were, it, it's it's just the question of like how long will Belichick be infallible in the eyes of people around the NFL for making these moves? That if the Browns did them, or like the. Who's the, I'm trying, the Jaguars and Lions are like good now, apparently. So you can't crap on them. Yeah. Um, who's like the worst? Who's the worst team in football right now? Who's like who's the dumbest team in football now? Because it's commanders? not the, the commanders. What? Oh. The commanders? Because oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I like the, the Raiders. Raiders. I was like, don't do Jimmy G oh, like no. that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm just trying to think because like the the Lions and the Jaguars and the Browns aren't the dumbest yeah. teams in football anymore. It's kind of disappointing. It was like an old, you know, it was an old standby. Oh. Like, like if the Browns did this. Um, yeah. So anyway, the point being is like, if a dumb team did it, you'd be like, "What are you? Like, you're an idiot. You drafted a second round like safety out of Lenore Ryan, like, and and just be killing him for it." it Belichick's gotten a pass for that for literally 20 years, and so the question is, will he continue to get that pass now that Tom Brady has not only gone and won a Super Bowl somewhere else, but has also retired? Like, it's you know, there's a whole lot of stuff. Sully, what you said kind of begged a question from me about how you're not frustrated with Bill as the coach, but you're frustrated with him as the GM. What do you think as a whole of coaches being head coaches and GMs? That was obviously a big problem in San Francisco with Jim Harbaugh. He wanted to be both. That didn't end up working out. You've got someone like Pete Carroll, who's the head coach, and then also what the senior executive vice president. Should head coaches also be GMs or more in organizations? I think it can work. Like, I mean, it has worked in the past with Belichick. I mean, it's, you know, throughout the tenure with Brady, that that helps, that works. The stuff where it gets a little dicey to me, especially around here, has been with the draft. And the draft, specifically on the offensive side of the ball, those things have been lackluster, to, to put it mildly. To find those legitimate talents, whether it be at the receiver positions or other skill positions, even tight ends at certain points, post Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, those, guys, those positions they just haven't been able to identify. And so that kind of gets you a little bit into murky waters as to, 
all right, you, you lose Tom Brady. Now you have a rookie quarterback. How are you going to be able to elevate him when you can't draft skill positions around him? So that's kind of the tougher thing there. It's more, I guess it's more evaluating and scouting the draft than it is anything else. If you're a head coach, you're kind of already doing that in the NFL when you're looking at different opponents and you're seeing and scouting and looking within the league. To me, it's the draft in the college game that I think maybe is a little bit of a step back when you have a head coach in the NFL also serving as your GM. I just feel like it kind of, yeah, alters like the oh. checks and balances when you're in charge of everything. Yeah, yeah I, I think I think one of the things too that you see, and this is not like Belichick's fault um, per se, but it's it's sort of the natural nature of success, right? Where because Belichick's title was always he, there was never an official GM in, in New England, and that's how he wanted it. Like he said at times where there's no defensive coordinator, no offensive coordinator. Um, you saw, you know, you see guys like Dave Ziegler leave with Josh McDaniels. You know, you see Scott Pioli leave to be a, a full-time GM. And, you know, Belichick is not the type of guy who's going to, you know, Nick Casario leaves to be a full-time GM. So all these guys, these personnel guys who have to shape this, you know, what the front office was for New England, because of the success in New England, it's the same thing with the coaches, right? They've naturally moved on. Now, whether they've had success or not, most of them haven't. And that speaks to why people do give Belichick the credit, because, the Patriots machine just keeps on chugging. And despite, despite it doesn't matter who leaves, except for Tom Brady. Well, I'll say that. Who leaves, right? Like, yeah. it's, yeah. it was still good. And, and whoever, wherever they went was usually bad. Like, no one had a lot of success. You know, Eric Mangini, you know, like yeah. coaches, GMs. And so I think, you know, but Belichick's setup was a little different. For instance, look at Kansas City. Um, you can look at uh, Seattle if you want. Yeah. Pete Carroll and Andy Reid. Or Andy Reid and Pete Carroll, respectively, if I'm going to do it you know, grammatically correct, <laughs> have the have the technical, like I don't know, I don't, I don't know, if, like so, like John Schneider and Brett Veach have plenty of power and plenty of input, and they work collaboratively. Like that's the key for me is like you always want to work hand in hand. But like ultimately, Andy Reid is the GM in Kansas City. If he was, if he, if if he says, "Hey, Brett," now Brett Veach was the guy who's like pounding the table for for Patrick Mahomes. Don't be wrong, but like if he's like Brett Veach is like, "We want to take this guy," and Andy's like, "No," like Andy can overrule it. Um, yeah. So I think that's like the best setup to have where you have a GM and you have a really smart football coach and you work together. And I think Belichick and the Patriots did that for a long time, but there just wasn't a title of GM. And so when you have the brain drain that comes with success, a lot of times it's difficult to, you know, replace it. Like, you know, somebody mentioned Chip Kelly in the comments. Chip Kelly won a power struggle with Howie Roseman and took over as the GM, and that was his ultimate downfall. He was a good head coach in the NFL and won football games, and when he got too much power, he decided they needed to meet DeMarco Murray after coming off like 350 billion carries, you know, he tanked out. And, and that's just the thing is like there do need to be the checks and balances, but you it, it, it's all about like – and look at McDaniels in Denver his first time. Yeah. It's about understanding your weaknesses, understanding your strengths – finding somebody you can collaborate with and being on the same page as the GM and the head coach, but not having like a power struggle that's constantly existing. Right. And I think he does have that collaborative effort with Matt Rowe and, and all those guys in the front office right now. It's, I don't think it's necessarily that it's just, maybe there's a little bit more of that, a little less collaboration in the sense where, he can veto pretty much any move that he wants. Well, I mean, if, yeah, he can if, say if it. he wants a, a certain guy where they might not have a great grade on him or whatever, they're still taking the guy. Like, well, I thought it was really interesting. So, uh, is it Mossy Asimfort? Is the now, um, in Tennessee? Arizona Cardinals, yep, Arizona right. Cardinals, or Cardinals, yeah, yeah, sorry, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Carthens in Tennessee. Um, Asimfort was the director of college scouting for the Patriots from do you remember what the year was? Uh, fairly recently. Um, well, I'll find it real quick because I think it's, I'm just gonna. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. This is important. I promise. He was the director of college <laughs> scouting for the Patriots from 2014 to 2019. Now I was director of college scouting ostensibly, which is a fun little ostensibly awesome for it. That's a fun little great uh, word. Yes. Right. Yeah, a little alliteration. You are very scouting, you. you are scouting a lot of college players. <laughs> you're, you're the guy who's saying, Hey Bill, like you're in charge. You're the director of college scouting. You are working with the college scouts. You are getting, the information from the scouts and you are condensing it all and presenting it to Belichick and saying, here's what our scouting department thinks about this, because the time frame for NFL head coaches to get completely, you know, uh, uh, you know apprised of like what's going on with this draft class is very small, especially when you're the Patriots and you're always in the freaking Super Bowl. Right. So you have this really small window to get, so you have to trust your people. 
Or you're getting now, your draft picks taken away for cheating, but that's a whole other thing. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or alleged, allegedly <laughs> cheating. Um, <laughs> you can't prove nothing. <laughs> um, but the point right, guys, is, we're gonna t- yeah. oh, I was going to say, here, let me, I was gonna list, I'm going to list these yep. the, the guys who were drafted in that stretch. And then oh. 2014 first-round pick, Dominique Easley. 2015 first-round pick, Malcolm Brown. No first-round pick in 2016, but they went Cyrus Jones with their first pick. Derek Rivers, 17, Isaiah Wynn and Sony Michelle, the latter of whom was taken over Lamar Jackson in 2018. And 2019, in Keel Harry, their first-round pick, who was taken over A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, and... Uh, D.K. Metcalf. And D.K. Metcalf, yes. So the point being is, like, that's the stretch where this guy was the director of college scouting yeah. and coincided with the Patriots roster kind of sliding off the scale. Good luck, Arizona. Hard to do. Yeah. Hard to, hard to argue all that. Okay, guys, we're going to take a very quick break. You're watching the Pick 6 Podcast. We'll be right back. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Pick 6 Podcast. Katie Mox here with Will Brinson and Tyler Sullivan. If you're not following us on social, what are you doing? At Pick 6 Pod on all social media platforms. Staying within the New England chat, Meek Mill apparently told Kraft, he texted him a few days ago, that Jackson wants to play for the Patriots. Is Meek Mill Lamar Jackson's agent now? It sounds like it, right? I mean, he's I mean, at least his consigliere. I mean, it, it's interesting. Well, it's Go ahead. What was the other guy's name? What was the other guy's name? The the oh, guy that was contacting know. teams on behalf of Lamar uh, Jackson. It's, uh, and the, to- the total game partner. Or, yeah. Ken Franklin yeah. or like uh Maury Povich or uh Raven James. All right, sorry. Sorry, Sully. One, okay, maybe it's his agent. I don't know. Do you see Lamar as a fit in New England? Well, I, I wonder. Well, I've I've obviously, as you would imagine, a million thoughts on it. One, first and foremost, is me being skeptical about the whole thing. Is this a thing where Robert Kraft can kind of have his cake and eat it too in the sense that he can say, hey, listen, I'd be interested in Lamar Jackson knowing full well that Bill Belichick would never want to do it. So when Lamar Jackson, who has been a topic of conversation around here all offseason, inevitably goes to another team, everybody can just point to Bill Belichick and say, why didn't Bill Belichick want him? Because Robert Kraft said he'd pay up to go get him. I kind of feel Uh like that's a little bit more of the game that's being played right now. But if this is, if this is to be believed that Meek Mill is, is reaching out to Robert Kraft and is and Robert Kraft is talking about it publicly, it would, would lead you to believe that Robert Kraft would be willing to at least entertain the idea of paying him something close to the contract that he would want. And now it's a question of is Bill Belichick willing to, or want to coach a guy like Lamar Jackson? Is he willing to give up that draft capital and all of that? And, I think it's interesting. I think that this would certainly help Bill Belichick's chances of reaching John Shula's record in short order. I just have a question of how legitimate this actually is. 
If you, um, what do you think Meek Mill is saved in Robert Kraft's phone as? <laughs> Meek Mill. Is it like first Probably. name Meek, last name Mill, or is it like Robert Williams and then like company is like Meek Mill? No, it's just, it's, it's the, not even like the, the first and the last friendship. name. It's just Meek Mill all at yeah. the top. It's not on even one. like, it's not even organized. That's like, probably I, like, what it is. Yeah. The company might be Dream Chasers, actually, instead of Meek Mill. The company might just say Dream Chasers. <laughs> be interesting. I I, I just, I, I have a hard time believing that this deal of this magnitude, as we were just talking about. Is Belichick, going to Meek Mill? <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> I mean, the relationship's there. I mean, obviously, you know, they've been courtside together at Celtics games, Robert Kraft and Meek Mill. Uh, certainly helped him uh, when he when he was incarcerated. So all of that type of stuff. There's a relationship there, of course. I just have a hard time wondering if that relationship's really gonna spell Lamar Jackson, newest quarterback in the New England Patriots. If 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 if, if Robert Kraft says Bill Belichick's decision, then it's not gonna happen. Belichick exactly drafted right. Michelle over Lamar Jackson coming out of college when he was at that point in time. I mean, had been preparing to move on from Tom Brady for quite some time, right? Um, he had a chance yeah. to, to do that. Now. Uh, who was it that argued? Oh my God! It was somebody. It, was, it went on this podcast. It was in fr- freaking chat. Somebody argued. It was like Sony Michelle was worth it because they won a Super Bowl. I was like, what? anyway, that's um, not true at all. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, they did win. They did win the Super Bowl, but it's like that's a major causation correlation thing. To scout uh, that I, backfield and not pick Nick Chubb over Sony Michelle is a whole other podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Especially and uh, anyway, I have takes on that for days. But yes, um, <laughs> the point being is the point being is that like. If Belichick wasn't willing to draft Lamar Jackson then, I think it is very unlikely that Belichick is going to consider giving uh, Lamar Jackson $250 million fully guaranteed over the next five years. Knowing, too, like, when you talk about that, and we talk about the Belichick stuff before the break, you know, when you make this decision at the quarterback position for a five-year period, by the way, Mac Jones is his third year on a rookie contract. Like, that's it would be crazy. Um, You are probably more than likely creating the quarterback situation for whoever the next coach of the Patriots is. And so I don't think that he would want to go fully guaranteed, you know, like this is not Belichick style. It's, it would be shocking if he did that. Yeah. And, and I'll say this too. I think one of the more interesting angles to this Lamar Jackson New England thing outside of just the easy one of thinking about Lamar Jackson playing for Bill Belichick in Foxborough is this is kind of, this is another damaging chapter in the Mac Jones story in New England more than anything else. Now we have the owner basically opening, opening, opining about the idea of Lamar Jackson coming in after a season where Mac Jones was benched for Bailey Zappi at times. They gave him a defensive coordinator for an offensive coordinator, a special teams coordinator for a quarterbacks coach. If you're Mac Jones and you're looking at all of this, and even yesterday, Bill Belichick in his own way saying that we're going to have a, you know co- competitions. Everybody's the best players will play when asked about Bailey Zappi versus Mac Jones in training camp, basically alluding to an open competition, even though you would, oft, you would often think that it is Mac Jones's job. If you're Mac Jones, you're looking at all this saying, does this organization value me at all? Like, are we going to have a mad Mac Jones going into 2023? And is he somebody that's going to have a bad attitude about this? Because I certainly would if that were me. Well, he's the fans are already booing him. That was interesting last season. A bunch of fair weather Boston curb. fans. Yeah, those those people, weather. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Hey, we've been, we've been, we've been, we've been, we've been, we've been diehard for 20 years. Okay. Like we love, it's like, yeah, because yeah, you're getting fed Super Bowls. Like I get fed breakfast burritos. We yeah, like, he's no, he's no, he's like, no yeah, Tommy. Like, yeah, if I, yeah, if I was getting like I was getting a Super Bowl every three years, I'd be a diehard fan too. It's like it's hard to pretty easy not to be a fair weather fan when you're just gobbling. It's like like every every other year, like well, I mean, it's, like, it's hard to go from that to you know having this rookie quarterback like Mac uh, Jones too. That's a huge fall. Oh yeah, it's hard to go from the single greatest dynasty in the history of any sport in the like in the yeah. in the history of the world, the history of Earth. Uh, dating back to like the <laughs> dinosaurs to being just a normal football team. Yeah, but suck to yeah. suck, huh? Sucks to suck. All right. Well, Meek Mill is not the only person that's pining for Lamar Jackson. Uh, Dolphin safety Deshaun Elliott attempted to recruit Lamar as well, and he got roasted on Twitter. The Dolphins obviously just picked up to his fifth year option. Probably wasn't an ideal tweet uh, from Elliott, but they did play together before. Was this was this fair, the trolling that he got on social media? And should the Dolphins want Lamar? I, I kind of 
lean on that too is maybe not the guy. I just don't know if he can can stay healthy. And I think that Lamar Jackson would be absolutely electric in well, uh, a Mike McDaniel's well, offense. As someone who is currently, I think still on the, um, I don't know what the actual list is called, but there's a two and on list. You know about two and on. I'm on the two and on list. Like I'm like, I'm like, like I'm, I'm, I'm on there. Like I'm a targeted, I'm a targeted media member by two and on. Um, okay. I would tell you that you just don't want to talk about two on social media. Just don't do it because the okay, dolphin fans are insane. Um, I do think that, you know, like if you're going to, if you're, if you're going to say come to the dolphins, I mean, here's the thing. We don't know if two, how, like is two going to play? Is he going to be healthy to play? The Dolphins picked up his fifth-year option, so presumably they, they're like they think that he's going to be fine or he's going to be healthy enough to play. But like, if he gets a concussion in Week One, is he yeah. playing? Is he playing again? Like, I mean, it 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 is a it's a viable question, but especially as you know, the NFL changed the policy basically last year yep. when Tua got that concussion and came back in, and then like they they made it a point where. Um, Mina Kimes on that list. There's, there's like hundreds of people on that list. So I think Adam Beasley's on there like quite. It's a long list of people. So, I mean, like you, oh, you, you could be only like disrespect to it. You just like talk about to it and be like, I don't know if he's great, and then you're on the list. Um, but yeah, okay. like I, I think it's if you have two on a cost control contract. If you if you if you decided we don't know if he's a guy, they were talking about getting Tom Brady last year. Why can't they get Lamar Jackson this year, Sully? I mean, not only Tom Brady, Deshaun Watson. I mean, it felt like any kind of quarterback that was available, they were linking themselves to Miami or or, or vice versa. I do think that Tua has played to a level last year when he was on the field that you at least deserve to let this season play through and let him prove that he can be healthy or can't be healthy to go through an entire season. Now, that does put out the risk of maybe losing out on a guy like Lamar Jackson to be your quarterback going forward. But from what we saw with Tua last year, I thought he played well. I thought he played well enough when he was on the field and healthy to be able yeah. to take this team to the playoffs with all the rot, with all the talent it has around him. Now, can he himself elevate like Lamar Jackson is able to elevate? Can he reach the same ceiling? I think Lamar Jackson's ceiling's higher, but that doesn't mean you can't win with Tua Tungavailoa. So, to me, I think he played to a level last year where he at least has the he at least deserves the opportunity to show you that he can play a full season. And if he can't. You only sign him to a fifth-year option. You can move on from him after that point. But I don't know if I would go full in with Lamar Jackson when I still feel like you could be a competitive football team with Tua. Yeah. But I think the thing with Tua, too, is that it's not like Jimmy Garoppolo where health is an issue where it's like, you know, his ankle or those kind of things. Like, it's a it's his brain. It's two right. concussions back-to-back. So this could be one more concussion, and he doesn't play football anymore, mm. not just out for a couple of weeks. So I feel like that is the biggest concern with someone like Tua. But I agree with you. When he was playing, they were incredible, and he did so well. But they do have such a good run offense, too, that I feel like Lamar would fit so well into. All right, In speaking vacuum, of – awesome. um, Oh, it would be uh, amazing. Isn't yeah. Lamar from – Florida? I believe he's from Florida. Am I making that up? Yeah, he's from uh, he's Hollywood, from, Hollywood, Hollywood Florida. Beach. Is that right? Uh, he's from Hollywood Beach. Yeah, that's right. All right. So maybe, maybe uh, coming home. All right. So there's more also, people no, who are uh, out. No, no uh, Pompano Beach, he's from. Pompano. There you go. Lamar's 26, by the way. I, I think that flies under the radar a little bit. Like, right. I mean, Lamar's playing in his, he's, he's played through the fifth year option. He's 26 years old. Some of these quarterback, Will Levis is, we love some maybe 23. Like, I mean, Stetson Bennett is like 32. Uh, Stetson Bennett's older than me. <laughs> Stetson, Bennett's my 20, Stetson Bennett's 25. Well, he's going to be 26 next season, in the middle of next season. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing with that. When you think about how, when you think a uh, running back is really old, 26 is really old. Now I know that Lamar Jackson is not a running back, but a big part of his success is in the ground game. That is old for a mobile quarterback like him, 26. No, it's, I mean, that's, I think that's part of the trepidation for a lot of these teams. It's, you know, this is a guy that's going to get eight to 10 designed runs a game. And that's a lot of wear and tear to put on a guy that you're going to give maybe $200 million fully guaranteed to. All right. So no Miami, I guess. But what about uh, the commanders? Riverboat Ron is still out on Lamar. He says that they are not interested in him at all. You talk about who's the loser in the NFL earlier today. It's got to be the commanders. Well, like, what is wrong with them? 
so this is a weird spot for me. As you can see over my <laughs> left shoulder, I have an NC State helmet. I think anyone who's watching or listening to this podcast is aware of my loyalty. And actually, if you have a Duke basketball on the other side, in case you're wondering, there's no Carolina helmet here, right? I'm not a Carolina guy, big, big anti-Carolina guy. Um, having said that, Sam Howell, I think is – I think what Ron Rivera said is actually kind of fair. Not maybe not this quote that's on the screen right now, talking about how um, you know they never looked into Lamar. Um, Sam Howell's the same quality as Brock Purdy. The year before, so Sam Howell was not allowed to leave college football. So he he had to he had to play one more year before he got drafted. The when he was when he came into the, the final season of his career, which was what twenty twenty one in college football, I guess. He came into it as the he the prohibitive Heisman Trophy favorite. Now, was that Carolina team overhyped? Sure. Does Mac Brown ever deliver on the hype? Never. He accidentally stumbled into a championship with Vince Young. Anyway, I digress. The point being is that <laughs> Sam Howell was considered like he might have been the first overall pick if he'd come out after his the season before that when he was so dominant. He has a lot of traits and a lot of like ability. He's not a real fifth round pick. To, I mean, he is, but he's not, it's like he's really more like a day two pick to me. And I think, you know, I talked about this to J.P. Finley, friend of the pod, and, and on 106.7, the fan of D.C., but, like, if – let's go back to last season and flip it, and Carson Wentz is a fifth-round pick, and Sam Howell is a first or second or third, even third-round pick, Sam Howell probably wins a starting job in week one. But because they traded so much for Carson Wentz, they felt – like, this happens to the NFL all the time, where 49ers, great example. Trey Lance, if Trey Lance was Mr. Irrelevant and Brock Purdy was a first-round pick – we're not, this is not, there's no leader in the clubhouse. Brock Purdy's the guy. And so I think that like the fact that Sam Howell fell to the fifth round is causing people to sort of say, well, like this, he can't possibly go with the fifth rounder. I think he's valued at, at his value to the 49, or the, the, excuse me, the commanders and Ron Rivera is higher than what people are generally giving it credit for. And so the fact that they're not making a move here doesn't surprise me as much as it, as it surprises a lot of other people. There's there's that aspect of the Lamar Jackson commander's fit with Sam Howell, but I also do think that just from like a macro view, this team is up for sale. There are bidders. This is going to be a $6 billion purchase by some group. Well, we got a bid in today from Magic Johnson's group. Yes, Magic Johnson's group, the same group that uh, is led by the Devils owners, 76ers co-owners, that, that contingent. Fully, fully financed and like... It, it's, it's an offer that it, it, this seems like it's a likely offer that's going to happen. Sure. And, and, and this is a group that also lost out to the Denver Broncos, which is what I'm bringing up too. They were an organization where it makes it a little bit more appealing to bring in a star quarterback like Russell Wilson. And you're like, okay, that's a little bit more of an attractive, immediate competitor as you thought at the time. I don't know if that same reasoning applies here with the commanders to bring in a guy like Lamar Jackson, who you have to give all this guaranteed dollars to. And not only that, you're probably also looking for a new stadium somewhere, preferably in the D.C. area. Oh, yeah. You're talking about billions of cap dollars of capital that you need to put into this before you can even start talking about, hey, can we make it to a Super Bowl? What are we doing in free agency? You need to purchase the team, acquire land for a new stadium, build that new stadium that just feels like a lot for a first time ownership group to take on. And now you're asking maybe a quarter of a billion dollars for Lamar Jackson. That just feels like a lot to ask for. And I would say too, that the other thing is when you, when you sign this fully guaranteed contract, right? You have to put, you know, we talk, we talk about the escrow money. It's not immediate. You put it in like a year later. So it basically be asking this new group that buys them to spend $6 billion to finance the $6 billion to buy this team, which is a lot of money. We've got, you know, some, I'm sure some of us have it behind us. Whatever, uh, you know, the six billion dollars, and then like to go out and throw another two hundred thirty million dollars in cash into escrow a year later, right after you buy the team. It's it's something that it wouldn't be surprising if not not only it's, it, it, even if it's not just unspoken, but maybe even spoken. Like, hey, don't don't like you you know you're about to sell this team. If you were to make that kind of cash outlay on a player. Or on a stadium, like Dan Snyder's not going to go and sign a deal with like a you know Virginia to do a stadium, like right as he's about to sell the team. Just like you don't want to sign a deal with Lamar Jackson right as you're about to sell the team. The Russell Wilson thing was a little, you know, it it, it was Russ was Russ was getting that contract, big contract, but you felt like you were getting a franchise quarterback. You felt like it made the, the team more attractive. Lamar, with what he wants and the idea that you don't have you it's gonna be difficult to get that contract, makes it a little more difficult to make that move, I think. 
Well, Brinson, you talk about this fully guaranteed contract. I know that you're high on Lamar going to the Colts, but Jim Ursay said that he doesn't believe in fully guaranteed contracts. Yeah. He said, I quote, as an owner, I do not believe in fully guaranteed contracts. I think that the percentage is one thing, but what I've seen from the NBA and baseball, I don't see it as a positive competitively. Yeah, I mean, like if you wanted more proof that they're colluding against the against the players, <laughs> I mean, yeah. like every owner's like, you know, I just think you look at Gary. I mean, of course, you don't like guaranteed, fully guaranteed contracts. Like the, the NFL is built on the fact that you can sign somebody to a five-year contract that's worth three hundred and seventy-five billion dollars, and then cut them after two years, giving them nineteen million dollars. Like that's like the NFL NFL contracts. That's that's like the hardest part about covering the NFL. If you're, I mean, yeah. don't you think so? Like is, is navigating like the salary cap of the contracts because there's bonuses that would do at crazy times. Like if, if, if you're covering baseball, like Matt Snyder, our, my contemporary, our contemporary on the baseball side, like one of my really good friends and, and, a, and a great writer, um, average baseball player in college for what it's worth, uh, maybe below. <laughs> uh, Can't Snyder, be good at everything. And a Bears fan sucks to suck. And um, the, the uh, Snyder, you know, like if if Mike Trout goes and signs a contract that's ten years, three hundred twenty million dollars, there's no like digging into the contract to figure out, you know, how much of this money is he going to get paid? How much is fully guaranteed? How much is guaranteed for injury? How much, you know, when can the team actually cut him? Is there, you know, is this a, are there three dummy years? It's just a ten year contract for three hundred twenty million dollars, and that's what he's getting paid. Now he'll be paid different stuff at different times, but he's going to get that, that baseball player is going to get every dollar of that contract, whereas with you know, us, it's like, um, like a good example is the, Derek, uh, Derek Carr is a great example. What's that? Derek Carr is a great example. Derek Carr is a perfect example. Everywhere Derek, it's like Derek Carr just got, um, you know, a $50 million contract. You're like, well, oh no, four year, $150 million contract with the New Orleans Saints. And you're like, my God, that's so much money. And then you go and look at his contract. You're like, oh, it's really a three year contract. That's going to pay him not even close because his base salary in 2026 is $50 million. He's never going to see that $50 million. He will be cut because he'll be 35 years old and they can get out of it and save, like they would save 40, almost uh, 44, $44.3 million in cap space in 2026. Like he will never see a dollar of that $50 million, just like in his last contract. And so that's what makes it hard to cover. And that's why when, you know, of course these owners don't want fully guaranteed deals because it's, it's all self-fulfilling in the sense that agents and players are like, like Derek Carr's like, I got a four year, $150 million deal. How awesome is that? Everybody got $150 million. And his agents like, look at Derek Carr, one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. And the saints are like, we love Derek Carr. Look at all the money we gave him. And in reality, (laughs) like it benefits the owners because they don't have to spend as much money, but everybody keeps falling into this dumb cycle. So yeah, it's never going to happen. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that we're going to see a lot of these guaranteed contracts. I think what's going to be interesting as it relates to Mar Jackson is he's kind of going against the clock here a little bit because we are on the doorstep at some point of Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Jalen Hurts all getting a contract extension. Let's just say Joe Burrow signs one with the Cincinnati Bengals and it's not fully guaranteed and it's a little bit more traditional to what we see. What? leg will Lamar Jackson at that point have to stand on when you have a quarterback that's been to the postseason, right. been to a Super Bowl. At that point, he loses a ton of leverage. Right now he has leverage because he can point to Sean Watson and say, hey, listen, I'm more accomplished than him. There are quarterbacks that are either more talented and more accomplished than him that are about to get extensions that could drastically hurt his case to get a fully guaranteed contract. So he's kind of racing against the clock here a little bit. Yeah, I mean, yep, on that note, we, yeah, sorry, yeah, we're racing against the clock. We do got to take a quick break here, but we will be right back. Okay, picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H track all wheel drive and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
Get breaking news. Big news coming out of the NFL today. Highlights and instant reactions. The largest final round comeback in four championship history. We're down to the final four. I just want to take time to analyze greatness. Shock winners and losers with a guy who's already a big winner. CBS Sports HQ. It's all sports all day long. Welcome back to the Pick 6 Podcast. Katie Moxwell, Brinson, Tyler Sullivan. Today is NFL League Meetings Recap Show. Make sure you join us all week long, every week, to keep you up to date on all the NFL offseason news. Remember to like, comment, subscribe on the YouTube page. All right. This is a fun one. And Brinson, I will give you – did you want to say something? I, I cut you off a break there. No, no, no. You can always cut me off. I don't know if I'm, uh, I, I talk okay, too much. And, I talk too much and routinely get told to shut up and get cut off. So, I mean, that's how it works. Very, very loquacious, which I do appreciate about you. All right. If you could change one rule in the NFL, would it be, what would it be? And I actually have two of them, which I know it says one rule, but I have two. One, obviously, I'm a 49ers fan, so teams should be allowed to dress an emergency third quarterback so that we don't have what happened in the NFC Championship game happen again. And I also think that these roughing the passer calls should be reviewable because some of them in the last season were absolutely ridiculous. Obviously, with two and the concussions, we do have to be more careful, but you should be able to review them those are my two those are two good ones so you got one yeah i I cannot stand the spot foul pass interference if we can just make it a 15 yard penalty then that's totally fine i hate when it turns into a all right let's just chuck it up in the air and see what happens and hope that a flag flies and then it's you're at the one and it's like okay well that clearly was not going to happen it's the joe flacco special it's the most frustrating uh play in the nfl in my opinion so I hate the fumble out of the back of the end zone. Mm. Like if you're diving for the end zone and you lose the ball and it fumbles out the back and yeah, it becomes yeah. the other team's ball in the 20. Like to me, the um, I think the the relative, you know, football bounces weird ways and the relative net worth of each, like it's like you either a touchdown or it's the other team or it's a turnover and the other team gets the ball in the 20. Whereas like if the ball bounces to the right, you get the ball at the one. I think that that, that to me is very annoying. I also think I would like some kind of, rock and jock style field goal situation where, or, or, or maybe instead of going for, yeah. So like, actually I like the, I want to, I want something like, like something rock and jock level. The Colts have proposed a few things like this. The, so in other words, instead of an onside kick, I like this one. You get a fourth and 10 from your opponent's 25. If you convert the fourth and 10, you get to keep going. Or like four, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, that's more fun to me than an onside kick because they've neutered the onside kick completely where no one recovers an onside kick anymore. So give me, give me some, give me some sweat. I want to sweat a fourth and 10 when the team, the team can decide <laughs> we want to go onside kick or we want to go fourth and 10 from the, you know, from their own, I guess you do it from your own 25. So if you don't convert it, the other team is going to score. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. like put some real risk into it to yeah, make so that decision. Let's say, let's say you're down 10 and you score a touchdown and there's a minute left. You have no timeouts. Right. Are you going to onside kick or are you going to go for it on fourth and 10 from your own 25? You're going to go for it on your own 25. So, and, and then it becomes even more fun. Let's say a minute left, you have three timeouts somehow. Or two minutes left, you have three timeouts. You're like, okay, we have three timeouts. We're down three. We're going to go for it on the fourth and 10 from our own 25. Even if we don't get it, we have three timeouts and they might kick a field goal here. And then all of a sudden, you know, we can get the ball back down six. Like there's just, I just want more strategy. I want to like squeeze these brains a little bit more aggressively on these coaches and make them make stupid, more stupid decisions in game. I don't even know if I agree with this one. I'm just trying to channel my inner breach to see if we can, if we can get something working here. What about almost like fantasy football style, like 50 and further where it's obviously a field goal is three points, but 50 and beyond is an extra point. Like every 10 yards, an extra point where if it's a 50 yard field goal within the 50 yards, like four points you get like a 60 yard field goal it's like five points or or what what about this you're down four points there's like 10 seconds left you got the ball you can choose to kick a 70 yard field goal or like you just be like hold on on." 70 yards 70 yard field goal and it's like that's worth four points to tie it up like that's just that's electric i think that that would be insane Uh, the only one the only actual one that i would uh, actually want to throw in is a shot clock for officials when they're reviewing plays you get like 10 seconds and then yeah. if if you can't make a decision within 10 seconds, the ruling on the field stands. I can't stand sitting around and looking at slow motion of a blade of grass for like 20 minutes. I can't handle it. And you, you know what I hate in college basketball really quickly too? And I and I, know, I understand why they do it, but it's like at the end of these NCAA tournament games, where it's like the ball is like, so like let's say um, Texas is playing Miami, just hype, I mean, just 
it's not a real call from this, just hypothetically. Texas shoots, or Miami shoots a jump shot. Texas has two off- two defensive rebounders, and they're going up. And some Miami guy comes flying in and, like, hits the ball, and the ball hits, you know, it's like, and the ball goes out, and they signal, all right, Texas ball. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's sort of the, and then they go back and look. It's like, oh, well, actually, it, like, grazed, like, a, like a, like a, micro like the the yeah and it's like dude the ball went out of bounds because the miami guy came flying in and hit the ball yeah like that's just texas ball like they you know they shot they were gonna rebound it the guy it, it's don't don't go back and look it's like oh it grazed his fingertip in like a rotation spawn that that's sometimes <laughs> i'm with you I'm going to read a couple of these from the chat. So Josh says, I want to change the rule for pushing the quarterback on a QB sneak. What do you guys think of that? Because it is getting a little aggressive, the amount of pushing that's happening. It'll get changed when a quarterback gets hurt. Yep. That's 100% when it's going to happen. It's going to happen when there's a uh, Jalen Hurts is out for week 13 because of back spasms from a fourth and inches play the week prior. That's, That's when it's going to get changed. I agree. I don't really think it's in the spirit of what they're trying to do, but ultimately... Right now, it's staying the same. <laughs> How about the the jersey grab at the end of the Super Bowl? If that's not uh, impeding to the ball, then they should be allowed to have some leeway and not call that as a penalty. Obviously, that's a very controversial one. I, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a Eagles hater at this point because I'm a 49ers fan. So whatever for the jersey grab. Sorry, you did that. Um, I think that that one's that one's just tough. It's just that's just something that has to be. You would just need more consistency in officiating. Um, I don't think you want to review that. That's just something where it just shouldn't have been called in the course of like what the game that we saw, I think, but it was technically a penalty. Um, I don't think you do any call can be reviewed, although I don't like disagree with the concept there. I think anything, some stuff is a little too subjective to be reviewed, but I think pass interference and roughing the passer, I, I don't think that it should be, everything should be reviewable, but I think that on those calls in particular, the NFL from the league office and from how they, how they work needs to buzz in and say, Hey, that one wasn't a roughing the passer, pick up the penalty, or, you know, that one wasn't pass interference, pick up the penalty. If it's an obvious situation where it, it, it impacts the, the actual outcome of the game. Right. Rams, Saints, that's exactly the time you kind of buzz in and change a call along those lines. I don't know if I like any time, you know, challenge or, or you know, re- review everything because then you're going to get all these ticky tack, like, all right, let's see if there was holding along the offensive line on a Hail Mary. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's going to, that's going to get ridiculous. What about, um, what about like automatic? I say within two minutes of like in, in the last two minutes of a game in the fourth quarter, I feel like you should be able to, challenge any call that results in an automatic first down well but there's no challenges in the final two minutes though no but i'm saying like that's that's, that would be my like the the only one coach challenge that you can get is within two minutes or even if it's an automatic review by um by the guys upstairs like they have to automatically review a play that's an automatic first down like if it's if it seems questionable or or you can buzz up to you know to the official say i want to challenge this one if a, if a play results in like like third, some what hurt you, Billy? What play hurt you? I'm just saying, man. I'm just tired of games ending on automatic. Very specific, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> it seems highly specific to an outcome of a particular game that involved your team losing <laughs> the Super Bowl. What about uh, making all refs full time employees? How do you feel about refs not being full time employees? Um, they don't, you, you got to give them too much money because they make a bunch of money in their other jobs. And I think that the way to do it is just say, add more referees to the field. Just put mm. more eyeballs out there. You got, you, you got just, 14 billion. You just use the sky judge and just yeah. really have it be this, you know, authoritative, you know, hire. Authority. How many games are on Sundays? Max 16. Here's an idea. Hire 15 dudes with some concept of watching football. And be like, hey, sir, I got one over here. If you can come check this one out real quick. Um, was that pass interference? No. All right, cool. Moving on. Like, I mean, just hire some people. You got $14 billion, $18 billion. I mean, we got Gene Steratore. Like, you know, it's guys like I that who's watching. We have, CBS for $10 million. Right. We have rules officials for the broadcast. You could just have a rules official that's for the NFL that makes the calls. Steratore was fantastic in the NCAA tournament, by the way. You see what All right, anything, uh, any, any yeah. other rules that you guys would like to see change before okay. we wrap out of here? We, because we see what time it is. Yes. So 
Yes. So we're no. I don't have any more. Do you, Sully? I'm good. But if you were like, I have 14 more rules I would like to discuss. Here <laughs> <laughs> right, we go. All right. On that note, we will bid y'all goodbye. Make sure you join us Thursday at 1 p.m. for more NFL offseason coverage. And of course, remember to like, comment, subscribe to the YouTube page. Audio only. Do the same. Download, follow, leave a five-star review. Tell your friends to listen and watch the pod. See you then. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats.